0: Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick Network. This is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Out of the gates and ready to go. Outkick 360 is underway. 6th and Peabody Friday edition is here. Glad you're with us. We're going to get you ready for the weekend and Baker Mayfield comes through. This is Chad Withrow's Jeff Saturday moment through quarterback. By the way, let me open by saying, Chad, it was Kirk Herbstreit and not Al Michaels. Oh, yeah, that's right. You, you, uh, um,
1: you corrected me, and I was like, I'm pretty sure it was Kirk Herbstreit who said that. There was something appreciate else you clarifying.
0: on air that was extremely awkward for uh, in either in that broadcast or something. I don't know what it was. It was one of their yeah, first what, broadcasts.
1: What we were talking about at the end of yesterday's show was some of these games have been so bad, and Al Michaels has appeared bored. <laughs> in almost every game, and it was that Denver Colts game. I'm watching it late, Yes, and Al Michaels trying to fill the silence of a terrible football game as it's going to overtime says, you know, Kirk, sometimes a game can just be so bad that it's kind of good. You know what I'm saying? And there was a little bit of a pause, and Kirk just said, no. No, I don't. I'm not ready to go there yet with this game. How about the uh,
0: the comment from Al Michaels uh, last night where he's discussing how the – the, the Rams PA announcer just screams. Oh, I didn't and, see that. And uh, Herbstreit was like, I kind of like it. And he was like, yeah, I don't. <laughs> I mean, he's just... I think he's actually leaning into the the, uh, the comments that he sounds bored and miserable. Because yeah, at the kinda, time, uh, it was not a... I mean, 16-3 yet again, and then the final drive. 98 yards, touchdown to Van Jefferson. But Baker Mayfield with these throws, man. It, it, the, the, first, the first pass... Um, of the of the whole drive was I thought the most difficult throw from his own end zone, far sideline dart to get it all going to Atwell, and then from there it just I mean he went off. I don't know. Again, like I, I they had to just draw draw that up, right? That was like backyard football to me. Just go deep. We'll put it up there.
1: So. Uh- Baker Mayfield was good. I mean, given the circumstances, I would say great to to lead a drive like that 98 yards at the end of the game to win it. I'm amazed at the amount of people. Hutton, we were surprised when no one really wanted to take a chance on Baker Mayfield this last offseason. I'm thinking of the options, he's definitely the best, if not the best, one of the best that's out there for these quarterback needy teams. Now, it didn't work out in Carolina. He was not any good. And that's why, mainly why it didn't work out. So then I start to understand, okay, maybe that's why the market wasn't much for Baker Mayfield. But I'm surprised by the amount of people who just act like, well, he's only being given uh, this third chance because he's a former first, uh, number one overall pick. And if he was a third or fourth round pick, no one would care about him. And I'm thinking, hold on now. yeah, This is a guy who led the Browns to the playoffs. It wasn't all bad in Cleveland. There were some good times and some good games and good play and clutch play from Baker Mayfield. This isn't Deshaun Kaiser as a top pick for the Browns. There were some good moments for Baker Mayfield. So that's the reason that he's getting now this third chance with a third team, not because he's some enormous Johnny Manziel-level bust as a top pick. I, I never
0: understood that. But there, there were rumblings from Cleveland that he was not as appreciated in the locker room as Odell Beckham Jr. Right, and that was the that was the rub. And ultimately, he placed that shoulder injury, and I think that hurt him more than anything because teams were apprehensive at first. But I mean, really, the the contract is what was keeping everything from actually taking place more in the off season. But you're right. I mean, that the one team that everyone was shouting from the rooftops it was Seattle turns out they didn't need him and then it was Carolina and they got him way too late in the process and and, what, and now he's with mcVeigh and again like there's you mentioned like is, is mcVeigh going to be able to find that spark and I, it, this was more Mayfield than McVeigh but McVeigh at least I mean he was right I mean he wasn't great it was 163 by the way two consecutive primetime games Brady's down 16-3 comes back with five minutes to go to win it and here's this as well with the touchdown pass to Jefferson. Um, But McVay at least got him ready to go, and they didn't even start him. He came in on the second possession, and the rest is the Rams won, and the Raiders suffer another brutal loss.
1: And we can be fooled. You know, Jeff Saturday beat the Raiders and won his first game as coach, and that really wasn't a sign of much of anything, it looks like, the way Uh, the Colts have played since.
0: Yeah, to your point, there's no Cooper Cup. There's no Allen Robinson so
1: on. the dude won an NFL game down 16 to 3 late having been with the team for a couple of days. That's that's something. That's a great start for Baker Mayfield. I don't know if this is going to last. I don't know if he's going to be back, but I we can't sit here and pretend that we're not surprised when both of us yesterday I'm I'm going on air I mean, saying, you know, let's double the spread and let's yeah. let, let's it's going to be a blowout city in this one. Minus seven and a half, I think it was, or six and a half felt like an easy bet. Yes, with the Raiders last night, and I was feeling pretty good about that one at sixteen to three, and the Rams and Baker Mayfield came back and won. I don't know that he's back back, but nonetheless, that was an impressive performance in well, a tough spot last and night. It was
0: a meltdown by Vegas. you, know, you had Cleveland Farrell with the uh, the offsides on fourth and three, and then the other penalty. It was just brutal in the fourth quarter, and ultimately allowed the the opportunity to get back in it but the storylines mayfield and he has had this even when no team wanted him i feel like the media gravitates to him in some way right there's if you don't like him he's at least entertaining in some form or fashion every other ball game or something right like there's a there's a moxie to him and you know maybe i'm overplaying it some but last night was cool I mean, the, the final drive was, you know, Davey Hudson's texting, you're watching this game? Yes. And you and I were watching it at dinner, and we were keeping up with the, you know, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs all getting involved on the opening drive, and all of a sudden it's 7-0. You're thinking, the route is on. That's what I said to you. Yeah. And look up at the scoreboard, and all of a sudden, the defense for Vegas lets them down, and Mayfield has the
1: moment. Well, you know, by the way, that uh, online sports betting is really taking off. When we're at dinner last night, Hutton oh. and one of the waitresses who could not have been 20, 21 years old. Yeah, we're watching the game and I say something to Hutton and she goes, "Wait, was that Josh Jacobs <laughs> that scored?" <laughs> and then she shows me on her phone because I've got this parlay going with Josh Jacobs scoring. Or no, it was Devontae Adams. It was a long reception. Yes. So was that was that Devontae Adams that on on the touchdown? And I'm thinking that's where you know it's taking off. The
0: Raiders have now blown four double-digit halftime leads on the season and. Uh, to make matters worse, it's the fourth loss uh, with the 13 or more points, which is an NFL that's ties for an NFL record. For you know, one of them, of course, was Jacksonville. They just continue to let teams back in it. Uh, very, very much similar to to Baltimore. Baltimore's on that path too this year. It's kind of crazy how teams either can or cannot close out games, and it's especially with the lineup they have.
1: It, 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 a lot of times, I mean, there are teams that are truly bad. And there's – usually I'd say two to three. Two to three truly bad teams every year in the NFL. Two to three truly great teams in the NFL. But then what separates everyone else from the good to great is an ability to close out and win close games. It's truly – it's that simple. Um, In a league designed for everyone to hover around 500, it comes down to are you good enough (laughs) in key areas to close out close games. The Raiders are a talented football team. They've got a good roster. They're good enough to be in every single game and give themselves a chance. But them blowing those leads, that shows you that they are not good in key areas. The top area, the keyest of the key areas, and even though keyest isn't an adjective, I'm going to use it, it, is Josh McDaniels. That's where they lack, quite frankly, I think. But they had picked up. I mean, they had won three. Yeah, but if you're looking for, if I'm trying to point out a reason you're losing this, this way, yeah. blowing double digit leads, losing well, close games, it's the head coach.
0: But uh, all, uh, the meltdown started with those two awful penalties in the fourth, though, defensively. You cannot jump off sides on fourth and three. Well, the one was didn't the guy knock
1: the ball out of the hand of Baker yeah. Mayfield? <laughs> Come on. Yeah. What I are mean, it's we just doing? just stupid. But that's not McDaniels. No. Well, yes and no. I mean, a discipline issue usually falls back on the head coach, but you're right. Pro football players should be smarter inherently. If you're making a, you're collecting nah. a paycheck to play the game, you shouldn't commit dumb penalties like that. Here's Sean
0: McVay uh, discussing Baker Mayfield's performance. <laughs> so
1: these guys, that I'm going be able to recognize. All right, Taylor, wrap closing it out. So many big-time stops defensively. Van Jefferson, Ben Carrani making plays. Yep. All right, but to be able to come in here 10 minutes ago and help lead us to a victory, see you guys on Monday. Baker, Ben.
0: How did they not get that going in Carolina? I don't know.
1: And why did they wait so long? Uh, it's it's a mystery to me and all this stuff about him being a spoiled baby in cleveland and every boy he really pulled the wool over everyone's eyes cuz i see things like that and him headbutting a teammate on the sideline last night and i'm thinking who would want to play for this guy yeah i mean it, i mean it, maybe it's just a it's marketing 101 and they've done an excellent job of fooling us to who the real baker mayfield is as a football player but i look at that guy's track record as a former walk on and what he's done throughout his career and the chip on his shoulder and the toughness he's displayed at different times throughout not just his college career but his pro career. And it makes me believe that if I'm a player on his team, I'm believing in that dude. But apparently I'm wrong because many think that he's a spoiled baby.
0: What's worse, the Raiders lost a Baker who arrived on Tuesday, It was claimed on Tuesday by the, by the Rams, or Jeff Saturday with the rest of the coaching staff in place, winning on the road against the Raiders. It's
1: to me, again, they've lost For games. perception's sake, it's absolutely losing to Jeff Saturday because that was the talk. Baker Mayfield was a big storyline, no doubt, going into this game. But the biggest storyline was how dare Jim Irsay yeah. give Jeff Saturday <laughs> a job over all these deserving candidates? And it's just a complete mockery of the head coaching job in the NFL, and then to, to lose to Saturday, Josh McDaniels disappointed an entire industry in that game. <laughs> all, all he did was weaken an industry. Great line of A Few Good Men where uh, Nathan Jessup, Jack Nicholson, says, All you've done today here is weaken a country. That's all you've done by putting him away in jail. That is what all every coach in the NFL, they couldn't say it to his face, but mentally, they're thinking Josh McDaniels. All you've done here today is weaken a coaching fraternity. That's all you've done. You have failed all of us because you lost to Jeff Saturday, which every, and everyone thought it was a joke that Jeff Saturday was the coach. So Jeff Saturday is the answer. Um,
0: Army Navy this weekend. I'll be watching. Yeah, same. That's the that's the focus of the college football weekend for for Withrow, not the Heisman. Look, I. Is it a foregone conclusion? Have you you seen the same – everyone's saying Williams is winning this.
1: Yeah, it looks like it. We'll get into some of the the awards, too. And looking at the awards, it looks like it's going to be Williams or Duggan, but Williams takes home the two biggest trophies of player of the year. Um, So it looks like Caleb Williams, which does disappoint me, but whatever, because I'm not going to be watching the ceremony anyway. So, again, I don't care. Uh, But congratulations to Caleb Williams in advance. It looks like he's going to be the winner. Here's what I love about Army-Navy game and Army-Navy Saturday is that even though this is probably outdated to many because we have so many entertainment sports options with streaming services, with networks, everything that goes on, we keep this game as the game. There's no competition for it. It is still America's game. On this weekend, after championship weekend, There are no bowl games scheduled. College football takes the day off. The NFL takes the day Mm -hmm. off. And it is Army-Navy. And that game gets monster ratings every year because it is the only game on. It is where I think it's a great show of respect from the networks, from the uh, different leagues, from NFL, from college football, that we keep that as the only game on that Saturday. And, Hunt, it is the only sporting event I'm going to be watching on Saturday because I'm not watching the Heisman ceremony. Uh, maybe some hoops. I'll watch some basketball. Yeah, maybe some hoops. Good point. Um, early early basketball games will be good on
0: Saturday as well. We uh, we went to the Army Navy game. I can't remember the year. Like 2014, maybe. And we went to then, one in Philly. It I've it been to Philly.
1: one in D.C. also, or in Maryland at the whatever wherever the Commanders whatever they call that field now. Um,
0: yeah, but the 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 walk on and. Everything involved with that game prior to kickoff is incredible. Yeah. Like if you've never, it like, it, people call it a bucket list. It is absolutely a bucket list sports fan moment. American moment. Like, you, just to go and watch the cadets and the midshipmen, you know, you've got them literally walking, uh, marching on the field, what, an hour and a half prior to kickoff, two hours prior to kickoff, roughly? Yeah. Um, we... we didn't even see the game we had to catch a flight and there was a snowstorm coming in
1: so i believe if it is if it's like it in the last few years you can watch the entire walk-on on cbs sports network oh great they go live to the cbs coverage later but an hour and a half two hours for the game um, you can watch the entirety of the walk-on we, with the cadets and the midshipmen um uh, uh two and a half, two two and a half hours for the game shout out by the way to my cousin david withrow uh who is a senior at west point i don't think they call them seniors I don't know the vocabulary, but he's in his final year. He cannot do the walk-on because he tore ligaments in his knee, not in a training exercise, but you must play a sport at the United States Military Academy, even if it's intramural. He tore up his knee playing intramural soccer, so he cannot perform his final walk-on. He'll be in the stands. He'll be up there with crutches in the stands while his fellow classmates go through with the walk-on. But really cool to have a family member take part in this the last three years. Super special event. Glad that it's got an exclusive window on TV for everyone to watch. Watch it. I feel like I'm doing something patriotic just by turning on my TV. It's literally the least we can do to honor the men and women that serve the country and watching this game. Something else very cool about this one, this is a pro tip for everyone, record the Open, the very start of it on CBS. It is some of the most tear-jerking inspirational, emotional sports programming footage you're going to see all year. They do such a good job with that pre-produced open for the Army-Navy game every year. And every year it is something special and different. But when they open with that, and then you go into all the pageantry and the national anthem, it will give you chills. I can't wait to watch that Well, more. then, the, you know, the, the,
0: the march on and, and, and just knowing that they're you're looking into the faces of the youth of America that are willing to sacrifice everything on behalf of all of us. I mean, that's, that's like, it just, the chills start there. And then you see their faces in the crowd as they're going back and forth trying to win the game. By the way, uh, 94% of the money is on the under in this game. And for good reason, the under is 32 and a half. Um, the last time it went over was 2005, Davey Hudson telling us that. Yeah. Um, it's
1: been a while. So... Hutton, 32 and a half. That's one that's, point more than... It's low. So
0: it's, no, it's one point more than Iowa, Kentucky, Kentucky, Iowa, right?
1: Yeah. I think is right around... I think that's even gone down a little bit. It's down like to But right three. around 32. Um, Hutton, last time you and I were there in Philly, it, what, six, seven years ago Roughly, maybe? Roughly, probably. Um, it started snowing right as the game started. We had to catch a flight, so we left basically right after kickoff. No, there was a storm coming in, though. Yeah, we watched all the pageantry. We watched the National I remember watching the National Anthem and having to get in an Uber to get to the airport to beat a storm to get back to Nashville on a flight. The time before when I was there, President Barack Obama, Vice President Joe Biden, I think the Secretary of State. The, no, it was President, Vice President, the head of the Army, the head of the Navy, the Joint Chief of Staff, was all at the game present. They were, on, they were at midfield for the coin toss. There were so many snipers on the roof of everything. Mm-hmm. There were f- planes flying over, making sure it was secure. And I made the mistake of trying to go to the press box after the coin toss and got stuck in an elevator, not an elevator well, but like a stairwell, where they blocked it down. Because the time I was going up there, President Obama was going to do an interview on CBS so whenever the president is moving, they, they shut everything down. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m.
0: Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix.
1: So because we're headed to the press box, they shut us down in this stairwell because he was in a private stairwell to go up. We were there for probably 20, 30 minutes, and we had to stay in the stairwell. I mean, packed in like sardines in the stairwell until he was done with the interview. And then once he got to his next stop... But they told you why why they're keeping you there, Oh, yeah. I mean, there were armed uh, military personnel at the doors. There was one Secret Service agent that just told us Hmm. when, when POTUS moves, we all have to stop everything in the stadium when he's on the move. So that's what was happening. But we were... We were there for a while because the interview happened. Then we had to stay there until he moved to his next spot. And once he was somewhere else in the stadium or on his way out, yeah. then everything was free-flowing again.
0: Hit us up with your thoughts. If you've been, if you've never been, uh, you can join us in the chat on YouTube. We'll be happy to, to chime in there. When we come back, we will give our thoughts on the college football awards that were handed out and our thoughts on – Well, Chad, when we come back, of the four finalists, let's say who we would vote for if we were one of the – 900,000 people with a vote for the Heisman Trophy. I like it. Um, yeah, and, and also uh, coming up uh, a bit later, we're going to talk some some college basketball. Aaron Torres will join us from Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports uh, College Basketball coverage. Really looking forward uh, to that conversation. And uh, we will also preview week 14, the top games across the NFL. It's all straight ahead on Outkick 360. Some pretty good matchups in the NFL. We'll hit those uh, coming up in about an hour. Outkick three hundred and sixty rolls on.
1: And uh, I love that we're wearing such starkly, stark different uh, clothing today. Yeah, it's like we're two actors that showed up to the wrong audition. One of us did. Like I'm, I'm applying for, uh, or I'm trying to audition <laughs> for the role of a Fed in an upcoming uh, you know, action thriller, and then you're there for some comedy? Well, Maybe we're, we're a Judd in, Apatow comedy yeah. with your
0: outfit? I mean, I, I went and just grabbed this off the, the rack out here because you and I were both wearing white shirts, and we, we yeah. didn't want to match because we match all the time anyway. So. Well,
1: I put the jacket on because I felt like I was going to levitate to heaven at some point, like an angel. I was so white in that first <laughs> segment. So I just put this on as a bit of a contrast. But I like how you're going casual Friday, and I'm going anything but. sports SportsCode. Yeah. Well, next break, just go out and grab a shirt. You know what? I, can I wear a different shirt in every segment today? <laughs> Let's just do that. Like a complete wardrobe You're gonna change. You're going to do the,
0: anti-Maddie, the maddie Ice anti maddie uh, the Matty Ice anti-decision. Do we have one
1: of the people that we want to wear if the same shirt. shirt
0: every day? You want to wear a different shirt every segment? I think yeah, I, we can do that.
1: I think I'm going to go get a shirt okay. in this next segment. Right. I, I think I might do that. I'm excited about this now. Old Smoky. Maddie, go beer. pick me out something. See what you Sixth like and then tell me what I should get. Yeah, go pick out the shirt you would wear every day. I want Maddie to choose what he thinks <laughs> I would like the most. Not what he would like, but I want I want to see how well he knows me. And he's gonna go pick out a large shirt yes. with long sleeves and see what he thinks <laughs> I'll like. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's that's good because there are some tie-dyes out there.
1: Yeah. If he goes tie-dye, then clearly he doesn't know me. College football
0: award winners the Maxwell Award and the Walter Camp Award uh, to Caleb Williams. And you alluded to this. This is indicative of what you believe and what is normally the Heisman Trophy winner, if, in fact, they're the finalist. And he has the most momentum, but he didn't close well, right? Like, he had the opportunity to seal it. C.J. Stroud had the opportunity to seal it against Michigan and then would have another opportunity, of course, in the Big Ten Championship game. Um and then Max Max Duggan, I think, probably won over a lot of voters going into it. But it was Caleb Williams. are the are the uh, and David, you can clarify. Are the votes for this at the exact same time? Everything's due for the Heisman. Is it that, or is this regular season only and not championship games? Again, I don't know the window for this, um, but you would have to let everyone know travel plans for this for the acceptance of the awards. So are we not going to – No, no.
1: Uh, Caleb Williams. I, I feel like Caleb Williams is, is going to win because – I do too. From a voting perspective, he's sort of the outlier in this group because well, Duggan let, – let's just go classify well, it, okay, well, with, he, with each one.
0: But here's the – Lincoln Riley plays a factor in this because he's known as like the quarterback Heisman soothsayer guy. Yeah. You know,
1: I think that I think that factors with voters. So Stetson Bennett, it's more of a career award for him. With his entire history and winning the national title last year. Having a great season statistically this year. But I feel like it's more of a career honor for Stetson Bennett. Max Duggan is the best story this year. That came out of nowhere. First year coach. TCU uh, undefeated until they lose the Big 12 championship. But headed to the playoff. So that's, that's the storyline with Duggan. C.J. Stroud is the celebrity De facto,
0: He was there week one.
1: He was the Heisman favorite by Vegas going into the season. I think it was him and Bryce Young right there with each other. So he's the celebrity mm-hmm. type entry. And then Caleb Williams on the West Coast at USC – Lincoln Riley, who's produced Heisman Trophy guys before. Transfer smoke, Oklahoma. We've known about him for two years now. Prior to the
0: UCLA game, though, he was plus 5,000. He was fifth with the odds to win it. And the way he closed it, again, he he won those games, but then lost in the championship
1: game to Utah. They lost twice to Utah. Mm -hmm. Those are their two losses on the year. I mean, I, I just, it's a very interesting. He had all the momentum after leading up to that long run against Utah when they were off to the good start. But then he got hurt. Mm-hmm. We're not penalizing yep. Caleb Williams for getting hurt because and Hooker got penalized for getting hurt. Does an injury not factor into that? Is it just washed away that they lost in their conference championship and aren't in the playoff because they lost twice to Utah, a Utah team that could not beat Florida? That confuses me a little bit. It was, well, like, it was like he was awarded the trophy on that long run, which was great in the Pac-12 championship. And then all the Heisman voters just, well, we're going to turn that game off now and don't care what happens the rest of the way. And, oh, he uh, pulled his hamstring in that game, so that doesn't count against him. I just I don't want to pull this back into my column about Hendon Hooker. It just bothers me that we just make up the rules for each guy as we see fit because that doesn't b- penalize him one bit. I think he's going to winning these awards. I think he'll win the Heisman. You know Max Duggan with an unbelievably brave performance when he's banged up and injured on that ninety-eight yard drive or ninety-five yard drive 95. to tie it, but they lose in the end. I don't know. Now it's, he now he all, won
0: the Davey O'Brien Award and the Johnny Unitas Award.
1: it's hard to it's hard to figure out like who's the who's limping in the least to this award. To me, it's Stetson Bennett.
0: I don't know.
1: I mean, Stetson again, Bennett like, though. If we're just looking at a guy, if it's all about what have you done for me lately? Stetson Bennett has not lost a single game this year, and he plays big in the biggest games. He just lit up the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta in a 50-30 SEC championship win over LSU. They are unbeaten, number one, undisputed, headed into the... Everyone else has something. Max Duggan lost his Big 12 championship game. C.J. Stroud looked bad in the second half and got blown off the field by Michigan. Caleb Williams lost for a second time to Utah. Stetson Bennett, if we're going to go by team accomplishment and what they do in big games, he's unblemished. And, so,
0: and has been since the playoff last year. You know, the, 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 the concept was last year, the narrative against him was, oh, Georgia's winning. Anybody could play quarterback at Georgia and win. It, the way he played, I mean, look at the big games for the finalists compared to Stetson Bennett. And it's really hard to argue how that dude shows up and plays when all the eyes are on him, the voters. So I don't know if he's necessarily limping in. I I do think, Chad, there is an element of, well, this is the hardest, one of the hardest years to come up with. Who is, uh, we can come up with a group of players, but who is going to be number one on the list this year? And I think, I'm not saying a lot of voters will put him number one, but I, the collective pool of points that you get, I think will be higher than what we think. I think he'll finish fourth, but I don't think he's fourth as in, in regards to quarterback play in the big games. And quite frankly, um, I mean, if you're going to look at schedule, the Pac-12 was far more be the second deepest conference if you look at how the college football playoff committee judged all these teams. So, I mean, if you're going to judge the SEC, know uh, Georgia's schedule, not nearly as difficult as others, um, Auburn, Tennessee, again, others, um, not nearly as easy as Ole Miss's either, but they did play in the SEC West down the backstretch of the season. Point being, C.J. Stroud's schedule, to me, does not stack up with the other three. I- no.
1: What was uh, everyone has? Uh, tell me a the Heisman best, moment. Who's the fourth best team in the Big Ten? Well, who's the? What's the Heisman moment for C.J. Stroud? I keep coming back to this. The two biggest games of the year were they were bookends. Opening with Notre Dame, that twenty-seven to fourteen, I think they won. Disappointing offensive performance, and then the Michigan game at the end of the year, where he was he was not very good, and they lost going away in the second half. So I just. I, I don't. I don't see it with C.J. Stratton. I, I don't think he's going to be a factor in, in any of this with the Heisman. Um, Big Red on our YouTube chat is saying Heisman votes are due on Conference Championship Saturday. That's not what I'm asking. But no, I'm asking but that's about not, these. But let me let me let me clarify that. That's not true. Right. And le- if it is, it's like by midnight on Conference it's- Championship Saturday because Bobby Carpenter and others that have joined us they go crazy on voters that turn them in before. Heisman, before the championship games are done. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It may be like a midnight that night situation, but most voters are supposed to wait until conference championship games are played I'm, and then
0: submit their ballots. But I'm asking, is are the are the ballots for these awards, are they, you know, the, the selectors for this? Davey, I think
1: Davey's got some
0: info on Yeah, that. because if, if it's parallel to the winner... I, I think we know the winner based on well, the, the Maxwell Award. Real quick on the Heisman, the ballots are distributed on November the 29th, which that was a Monday this year, and then the deadline is Monday, December the 6th, so obviously they have the opportunity to submit it early. Uh, whenever it comes to the other awards, it, it they all revolve around the same time frame, but they're not exactly the same like the mm-hmm. uh They had a four-day window to submit their final ballot once the finalists were selected, and so everything is, is around the time of like November 29th up until championship weekend. But it, it just it varies for each individual award. But obviously, as we know, last night, except for the Heisman, all the awards were announced. I'm, I'm a bit surprised uh, Robinson from Texas is not one of the finalists instead of Stetson. If you're going to look around, I mean, he's the best running back in college football.
1: I think it should be a Heisman – this is me uh, not caring about the Heisman after this year moving forward because of this, but I think there should be a um, a, a non-quarterback position mandate. I think you cannot – I don't think you should ever be allowed to have four quarterbacks. I think you have to honor and acknowledge at least one other position every year. For that reason, could be Robinson, could be Blake Corum – a running back could be Will Anderson, could be a def- you know, Charles Woodson won the Heisman, which I brought up. Mm-hmm. Someone other than a quarterback should be on the list. There should be a designated spot for a non quarterback every year as a Heisman finalist. Sonny Dykes, coach of the year, no brainer.
0: I yeah. mean first year. No no brainer. And what we've seen there. Um Will Anderson, nation's top player, uh, the Lombardi Award. What a quiet year for him, though. Not not from what what we saw on the field, just the the momentum I felt he had Jad going into the season off of a year where the the discussion this year this this time last year was he should be a finalist if you're going to look around and see some of the other guys there and then I'm surprised he didn't get the the same recognition.
1: Well, he still won all of these awards too. I know. Yeah. Yeah. But, and people just stopped talking about him. I don't. It's funny how momentum works with with. The Heisman specifically, because you would have thought that Will Anderson had a bad season based on the lack of talk about him compared to the lack of talk leading up to the season with Will Anderson, yet he still wins these awards. So one of two things are happening. We're not doing a good enough job of identifying other defensive talent, and you just defer to the guy who's the most famous and going to be the highest pick in the NFL draft, Yeah, or we're doing a terrible job of following through with someone that's actually having a really good year, just because they have a couple games where they're not as good, or or you know teams are focusing on them mm. more with extra blockers. That's that's weird when well, the, you see that he still won all these awards. Yeah,
0: and the buzz for Aiden Hutchinson and him last year, right? And that, I mean the off-season talk for him was here's Alabama coming back with the Heisman winner and Bryce Young, and the best defensive player in football, Will Anderson, who could be the number 1 overall pick a year from now, right? That type of talent. And then I just I don't know, like the the night we were in Knoxville, we I don't recall hearing his name, but yet here he is. And I don't I don't think he played a good game that day. But well, again, it, he if, he here he is as the nation's top player.
1: And I, I think, you know, having over 900 people vote on something is just way too much and yeah. you're you're going to naturally dilute the product because people in that list of 900, are not going to be very good at it and not going to watch every game. But what if you almost had like a committee similar to the college football playoff committee that just elects five guys to go. It has to be at least one defensive player and one non-quarterback on offense at minimum. You can go more depending on the season. So then you'd have a situation where you're you're typically going to get three quarterbacks and then a defensive player and a non-quarterback offensive player every year. And that committee just presents the five, and then there's a vote from everyone else, from the writers, uh, college football writers, or whatever you want to do, former Heisman winners involved also. But let's narrow it down to five with a committee. Let's put some math on it. I don't know what you do. Whatever algorithm you need to put in there also to factor in some of it and help with those five, and then have the vote come down to the five that's selected by the committee as representatives. Because unless you force someone to get rid of a quarterback's in there every year, they're not gonna do it. I just don't see this going away anytime soon. And there are plenty of deserving offensive linemen, defensive players, running backs. Sure. You can go across the country and find some great stories and great production from those guys, but you're you're gonna have to make the committee put those players in. Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee
0: won the Bolitnikoff Award for the nation's best wide receiver. And, Chad, he's an interesting case study. I saw your tweet about this. Uh, A case study for going pro early or returning for another season for college at Tennessee.
1: So Jalen Hyatt recently inked the NIL deal with Hyatt Hotels. I don't know how much he's making, but it's a deal that's going to send every Tennessee football player's parents to the game in Miami for a week for free at a Hyatt resort, which is really cool, and he's going to make some money. Jalen Hyatt could make a lot of money coming back to Tennessee. Now, he's going to make a lot of money in the NFL also. Projections have him either late first round or second round. Here's how I view things, and this is not me being Mr. Negative, but if I am an agent or I am a, a player, if you tell me I am third, fourth round, I'm going to assume I'm going in the fourth round. That's just the way I would look at it if I'm deciding if I'm leaving college or not. If I'm Jalen Hyatt and I hear late first round or second round, I'm going to assume I'm going second round. Late first round, Lewis Seen, the safety from Georgia, went to Minnesota, last pick of the first round. Hudden, you looked this up before the show. $5.5 million he made, just guaranteed. Signing bonus. Yeah, that's not the contract, but guaranteed, and all you're guaranteed is your signing bonus, $5.5 million. Tennessee's not going to match $5.5 million if Jalen Hyatt goes in the first round. But let's look in the second round. Christian Watson, the first receiver taken off the board in the second round, made $3.9 million. Wondell Robinson from Kentucky made $3.1 million later in the second round. I think that's more realistic for Jalen Hyatt of where he's going to go in this draft. Still a lot of money. I don't think Tennessee and their NIL is going to come up with $3.1 million for one year for Jalen Hyatt. But here's what you have to ask yourself if you're Jalen Hyde, and this is where it gets interesting. What if it's 1.5? What if it's two for one year that you're going to make in endorsements, NIL, all of that, to play at Tennessee again? You're coming back to college football. You're coming back to a program and an offense that helped you win the Bolitnikoff Award for the top receiver in America. You know your production is going to be really good again even with Hindenhooker Hooker leaving and Joe Milton coming in or whoever else is a starting quarterback at Tennessee and you could possibly double up people are looking at it only as well you're going to get this contract and all that money no no you're not getting all that money you're only guaranteed the signing bonus so if i'm looking at it from the perspective of 3.1 million let's say he gets drafted where Wandell Robinson does it's right around 3 million and change if he can make 1.5 at Tennessee and then double up the next year and help himself move up to a first-round pick, then you're looking at a combined $7 million compared to $3.1 because Lewisine was $5.5 million guaranteed. Now, the question is, well, you're going to re- take the risk of getting hurt. Of course. That's with any player who comes back. I'm not saying this is what Jalen Hyatt should do. I'm not advising him on this. People are fired up on Twitter when I put this idea out there that you'd be crazy to do that. But Hutton, I think we saw it with Oscar Shibway at Kentucky coming back for another year. I think we're going to see it with other fringe NBA first-round picks where they're going to come up with a package to bring them back. We talked about it with Kennedy Chandler in Tennessee yeah. if he would have come back. We're going to start seeing some of this in, in the NFL also. Now, the risk of injury is one that's way higher, and that's going to factor in for all these guys. I don't believe that Jalen Hyatt will go in the first round. If he knows he's going in the first round... or get some indication that that's very likely to happen, he should leave. But if this is a, you're going to be one of the last picks of the first round, but more likely a second round pick, I would definitely entertain what I could make with Hyatt Hotels, with Spire Sports at Tennessee and NIL, to come back for one more year, have a great season, get a little bit bigger, gain a little bit more weight, and secure my spot, not only as a first round pick, but as a Tennessee legend... And go have another monster year in college football, where you know that you can be successful. The uh, the one thing that the
0: agent will tell him if you if he's pushing him for the league is first or second round. If you come out now, you are one year closer to your second contract, and that's when NFL players that's when those dudes get paid the second deal. So, and if you play it right, you can. Try to go – well, again, that would be the business pitch. would be second contract, and then we're going to try to set you up for a third contract before you turn 28. And then that's when you cash in again and get signing bonuses every time, every two years, one year, whatever you want to do. Again, it's the business pitch, but it's really – I mean, I think it's changed with – of course it has, with NIL. but But what's the – to me, where's the... Does it need to be 50% of whatever the signing bonus will be? It, I don't know that yet. And this, you're right, it's a very interesting case study if he's a fringe first-round guy.
1: It's a chance if you played it right and you don't get hurt to have another great season and to double up. You're yep. basically getting a signing bonus to come back yep. to your school. Then you're going to get whatever that signing bonus is when you eventually go pro. And if you're a first-round pick, it's going to be a sizable, guaranteed pay signing bonus. It's something to entertain. Again, unless he's, this is not my advice to Jalen Hyatt, but I would think long and hard about it if I was a guy at a program that could ante up and keep you there for one more year.
0: Tongue in cheek here, but is he worried about not being able to catch passes from Joe Milton like he did Hendon Hooker because they'll be 10 yards in front of him? He
1: may be the one guy fast enough to catch up to those passes when it's Maybe. 10 yards too far. That he's got that extra know, gear man. that he can catch up to it. Maybe Tough, tough to run 70 yards. Well, True, not ten yard out. But Joe Milton's one completion on deep ball was to Jalen Hyatt let, let, let's in start the it. game against Vanderbilt yeah. on the second or third play of the game.
0: Coming up, money line upsets for the NFL. I've got three of them for you this week. We're gonna win with the underdogs in Week 14. This is Outkick 360. I think Withrow's gonna hate my underdog picks this week. I'm extremely confident. I'm though. still gonna bet them. I'm still extremely confident based on, uh, and I'll give you the reasoning here. I'm starting. By the way, OutKick 360, we do this each week, uh, courtesy of DraftKings, but you can go to OutKick.com slash bet, OutKick.com slash bet to join us on the money line. Again, I'm not doing a parlay. Just straight up money line. You hit on two, you're winning some money here. I'm taking the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, it's the Lions. They're playing great. They're scoring points. They're also giving up a ton of yards. And I'll take Minnesota's offense with Jefferson and Cook and what they've done consistently – um, and look, they. This feels like an easy one to me. This is going to be a shootout because the 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 Vikings defense has not performed well. Uh, they've given up 118 points in their last four games. Uh, the Jets put up 486 yards on them Sunday, and the Vikings still won. But again, this this is a high scoring game. I'm just taking the Vikings straight up. The Chargers. This is their last stand stretch. They have. Miami in prime time, and then they will also face the Tennessee Titans the following week. Two AFC matchups for a team on the outside looking in, chasing the Jets for the seventh seed. Give me the Chargers, and give me the Jacksonville Jaguars, believe it or not. And not for the reasons you think. Um, look, Trevor Lawrence may not play in this. We'll give you the update on the injuries a bit later in the show. Plenty of reason to talk about anything but football here in Nashville, specifically with the Titans. But here are the Jacksonville Jaguars, averaging 21.5 points per game. Uh, That's not great, but the Titans are averaging 18.3 yards per game. 351 total yards on offense for the Jags to 291 for the Titans. And passing offense, 224 to 171 Jags in favor there. And rushing offense, 127.4 is the average to 119.9. Give me... The Jags straight up in an upset win. And oh, by the way, this same Titans roster lost to the Texans and the Jets last year. They're beating good, they're beating good bad teams and they're losing to good teams, but traditionally, they've murdered and massacred this Jags team. Derrick Henry behind this offensive line is averaging a little over two yards per carry in this recent stretch. I'll take those odds. And CJ Bethard or not. I still like the Jags run game, and the Titans have given up some yards recently
1: in that area. I'm betting all three, and I'm parlaying. Wow. I'm going all in. Bold. Big weekend. The 13 sit parlay for Big weekend. Aaron Torres joins us
0: next. to make $2 basketball dollars